You're listening to the Soul Career Podcast, the podcast that brings you stories from people who've taken a risk to discover careers that fill them with purpose and make them come alive. I'm your host, Lysandra Ricketts. Now for the episode. Today, we're going to talk about the future of work and careers in a post-pandemic world. My definition of career is the vehicle through which you exchange your talent, your ideas, and your labor for money. So this can look like a traditional career path, it can look like an entrepreneurial career, or you can be in the public service. All of those vehicles are the definition of career as I define it. And whatever that definition is for you, whatever that vehicle is for you, it is changing rapidly in this new normal or the next normal as I've seen it called in multiple places. So today we're gonna talk about the changes happening in three areas. First up is remote work. Now, this topic has been talked to death a little bit, but there is some nuance here that I want to talk about in this episode. The second area is going to be contract work or freelancing or the gig economy, whatever you want to call it. It is evolving rapidly and growing rapidly in this current pandemic era world that we're in. And the third item that I want to address is automation and digitization and particularly how automation is changing what work and career means and after we explore these three topics then i'm going to uh, then i want to talk about the results that the changes in those three areas are going to have on us first up inequality I think inequality is already growing and it will continue to grow. There are really shocking changes happening in that realm of inequality that I want to discuss on this episode. And then second, what does the future of work look like over decades? What will this dramatic shock that we've had in our environment today mean for a career 10, 20, 30 years from now at the macroeconomic level? So this is the episode, so let us dive in. So let's start with remote work. At the beginning of the pandemic, we were really excited to be able to work from home, right? So we didn't have to commute to and from the office and sit in traffic for hours anymore. We had much more flexibility in how we spent our days and could determine our own schedule. We were in a comfortable work environment because we were at home. So we felt a lot more comfortable than we did going into a rigid kind of structured office if that was our reality before the pandemic. But as the pandemic wore on, we started to see the real downsides of 100% remote work. And there are real downsides. First up is this feeling of isolation, especially for people who live by themselves in apartments in heavily dense cities. Um, There's a mental health crisis, a crisis of loneliness and isolation that's happening during the pandemic. We're also seeing a lot of physical illness coming up from poorly designed chairs. So people who don't have their workspaces designed well are having a lot of back pain and neck pain and migraines more than ever before. We are seeing the boundaries between work and home disappear. So because work is at home and home is about work. So there are no more boundaries and we're working all the time. In fact, the workload has increased tremendously and people find themselves working around the clock, sitting at their home office desk all the time for many, many hours during the day. And especially for parents with kids, oh my gosh, right? So the childcare burden has become enormous on parents because they have no 
break. They're having constant interruption in their day, constant intrusion, and added on top of that, they now have 100% of the ownership over the education of their children, which is a whole other workload that has been added on top of work and the stress of living during a pandemic as well. So all of these factors has increased stress levels tremendously. And particularly for women who are mothers, we're seeing mothers leaving the workforce in high, high numbers, numbers that have not been seen in the past 50 years. In fact, I read a report that said that this period of the pandemic is setting us back 50 years in terms of gender equality at work because the burden of childcare falls disproportionately on women. And as women are overburdened, now they're deciding to leave the workforce. So what do all of these downsides of remote work and these trends that we're seeing happening as the pandemic has worn on, what do they all mean for the future of remote work? Let's look, at, let's look at our database of 40 clients at Soul Career. By and large, our clients love working from home. They love having the option of working from home but they don't want to work from home 100% of the time. They want the option to go into the office at their discretion when they want to, when they need to have a meeting, when they need a break from home, and they want the option to work from home if they need to. They also want to keep their schedule flexibility. They want to be able to pick up the kids from school in the middle of the day if they need to, run an errand if they need to, and still get back to work. And so I want all the employers out there listening to this episode to know that your team members, your talent wants ownership over their time and their schedule. Your talent wants ownership over their time and their schedule. That is what the talent of today wants. And if you want to keep your talent, you're going to have to give them more schedule flexibility and more ownership over their time. What they don't want is for someone to be watching them all the time, clocking them in and clocking them out, tracking when they leave during the day for a personal errand. That era of working is over for highly skilled workers, at least. And so what this means is that we need to develop more trust between executives and their team. And you need to hire people you can trust to deliver on results and be more results focused and less focused on FaceTime and office time. And the data and the research backs up this, uh, this trend that we're seeing amongst our clients at Soul Career, right? I read a McKinsey report that said that companies by and large are not looking at a 100% remote work future. They're looking at a hybrid model of three days in the office and two days off for most of their staff. These are companies in Europe and the US for the most part. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of uh, media come out from Facebook and Twitter and these large tech companies saying, Work from home forever, yay, right? But for the most part, most companies in the US are not looking at work from home forever. They're looking at this hybrid model. And actually our clients and our team and our talent, they want a hybrid model. They want the option to go into the office when they want to. So that actually lines up really well. But what the companies are doing and where they're leaning towards is more structured remote work options. So for example, 
we there'll be a schedule where people will rotate through there will be days where everyone has to be in the office to foster that sense of culture and collaboration and when i was ceo of the branson center my first year as ceo in 2017 that's exactly the remote work system that i implemented at the time we had three days at work where everyone was in the office and two days off and there were a lot of pros to that system. Our team just, we had much better team morale. People loved having that flexibility of being home sometimes, being in the office sometimes. And because we had a schedule and everyone could see the schedule and know when people are on and when people are off, that helped create some visibility and clarity around when to schedule meetings to respect everyone's time and to respect everyone's um, remote working days. So we tried not to schedule in-person meetings on people's remote working days. So that was the positive, that was the upside. Uh, the cons of that scheduling system were we had to make sure that our team had great internet connectivity at home. That can be a challenge in emerging markets like Jamaica. So if there was um, internet or power issues, then they wouldn't be able to be productive from home at that time. Um, but we had similar problems in the office too. So, uh, but that was one, one issue. The other issue is you have to make sure that there are days where everyone is available to foster that sense of collaboration and teamwork and culture. Um, some of our team got, got frustrated with, oh gosh, I need to have a meeting with this person and they're not in the office, right? So we had to put in place systems and we didn't get it right. We didn't get it right at first. This was all an evolution that we had to come up with a system that worked for most people most of the time. The new CEO now has evolved that in, even further in light of the pandemic where uh, they're in office two days a week, Mondays and Tuesdays now, and remote working. Everybody's remote working the rest of the week. So it's a much simpler structure now, two days of team collaboration, and then everyone off for the rest of the week. And that is really good for team morale and for trust in your team and showing you trust them to deliver the results without having to be face-to-face. The last thing I'll say about remote work is that it varies dramatically across industries. So we're seeing a lot of remote working in finance and technology, but we're not seeing that much remote working in other industries. In fact, I read a statistic that 60% of workers in the US economy cannot remote work. They work in industries like healthcare and the restaurant business and they operate machinery. And so they cannot stay home from work and do their jobs. So basically, if you work on a computer, yes, great, you can remote work. If you're a so-called essential worker, then no, you are required to show up to keep your job. So what happens when you can't remote work and we're in this pandemic lockdown quarantine situation? Well, we saw what happened, massive layoffs, massive redundancies in the US economy and worldwide in Jamaica as well. And not all of those jobs have come back. Some of them are coming back as countries slowly reopen, but not all of them. Why is that? Where did those jobs go? The answer is contract work and, and automation and digitization, right? Contract work and automation are replacing full-time employment. This is a massive trend that we're seeing during this time. Let's start by looking at contract work, which includes freelancing and the gig economy. Contract work is work that is project-based, 
or part-time and has a fixed specified duration and it doesn't come with benefits. And contract work has been increasing in popularity during the pandemic as employers try to grapple with the uncertainty around the pandemic and not knowing when it will end and not knowing when the economy will recover. So contracting enables an employer to look at labor, look at their employees as a variable cost. So they can increase their workforce or decrease it in response to demand much more easily than they can with full-time workers. And so this is what is driving this shift. This uncertainty is what is driving this shift to contract work. And this shift is particularly pronounced in sectors like hotels, restaurants, hospitality in general, um, healthcare, any industry that depends on people facing kind of work, that is where we're seeing this massive shift to contract work. For example, hotels are now putting their staff on a contract instead of hiring them full-time. And that's in response to uncertainty, as we said. So I find it very ironic that just at the time where talent and employees are really craving stability and craving healthcare benefits and really wanting that steady, stable income, just at this point where entrepreneurship has become a lot less glamorous and a lot more risky and people are now moving in favor of a traditional career over entrepreneurship, just now is when employers are now stepping back and saying, actually, we want to do contract work instead of full-time traditional careers. So there is like a, a break there. There is a gap between labor demand and labor supply there, right? And so for me, what do I predict um, will be the outcome of this? Well, number one, I think this shift is temporary and that might not be a popular view, but I don't think this is a permanent shift to contract work. Why don't I think that? I'm in touch with a few companies and CEOs and entrepreneurs who say that when they depend on freelancers and part-time workers, the focus of the talent, the focus of the team is just not there. Uh, Freelancers tend to have multiple projects at once, for example, and so they're not fully committed and fully focused on your company and your business. And so they tend to not like the contract labor as much as they like full-time staff. So that's one of the reasons I think this is more temporary and when things start calming down in the economy, we'll see a return back to full-time work. The other shift that I see and one that is this shift is more kind of scary or more concerning is I think this shift to contract work is temporary. It's a, it's a holding pattern, a placeholder while companies figure out how to automate as many of their roles as possible. So I think automation and a massive shift to automation and it, I think a massive shift to automation is happening right now and contract workers are a holding pattern while companies figure out how to automate their tasks. And that is very concerning. So let's talk about automation next. It is widely recognized that the pandemic and lockdown and quarantine have all increased digitization at companies around the world. But digitization is not as interesting to me as automation. In fact, I view digitization as a really good thing. 
But automation, particularly the instances where automation is replacing the need for human employees, that is a very concerning trend to me, which I want to talk about here. So let us look at the data and the research. According to this same McKinsey report that I read, 88% of executives in the finance and insurance industries have reported an increased use of automation and artificial intelligence since the pandemic. 88%. 76% is a figure in, um, in technology and information industries. So in finance and insurance, the number is 88%. And in information and technology, the number is 76% of executives that McKinsey surveyed said they have increased their use of artificial intelligence and automation. I just had to repeat that because these numbers are staggering. These are the industries with the very highly skilled workers. Okay, that's number one. But those aren't the only industries affected, but these are the ones that are the most affected. In fact, the numbers are even more staggering when you look at the percentage of companies who sent their workers home to work from home, right? 80% of companies that sent most of their staff home to work from home, 80% say they're using more AI now, more artificial intelligence now, while of those companies that only sent a few of their workers home, only, only 51% are now reporting more artificial intelligence being used. Okay, so let me just break down what all these numbers mean for you, right? So in finance, insurance, information, and technology, in those four industries, we're seeing massive increases in the use of AI to replace human tasks and human roles. And for those companies that sent their workers home to work from home, we're seeing a massive wave of automation happening in those companies. So this goes back to what I was saying before about contract work. Contract work to me is a holding pattern while companies figure out how to automate as much as possible. Let's look at another industry, logistics and distribution. FedEx and other distribution companies have deployed more robots in response to not being able to have as many employees, human employees at work because of social distancing requirements. So those jobs are never coming back, right? What does this mean for the future of work? My prediction is that it means a massive increase in inequality, which we are already seeing happen right now. So what we are seeing today, what we are seeing right now is a growing disparity between the highly skilled workforce and the low and medium skilled workforce, right? That inequality, that gap is growing as a result of the pandemic because the first wave of automation is tackling the lower skilled tasks. And so people, employees who are in that category felt the effect of automation almost immediately and they were laid off in waves if they weren't an essential worker. But automation isn't just going to impact lower skill tasks as we saw with what's happening in the insurance and finance and technology and information industries is that automation is happening for higher skill tasks as well. And as AI, artificial intelligence 
technology evolves, more and more roles, more and more tasks will get automated. So what does that mean for us as professionals in this environment? Number one is that the future is not going to be kind to the low-skilled worker. And so all of us, as a matter of urgency and as a matter of priority, need to upskill ourselves and gain new skills for this new normal in order to survive this wave of layoffs that will happen in some roles. So for example, some of the areas where people are getting hired is workplace health and safety, of course, um, cybersecurity, data management, um, moving online and digitization, HR skills for the new normal. How do you create a work culture in this new hybrid remote working environment? So people are hiring there. Sales and account executives are being hired as well. So look at those Look at those jobs that are open and that people are still hiring in and equip ourselves and equip yourself to get those jobs that will still exist after this wave of automation. So I'll tell you a quick story that illustrates what's happening in journalism. For example, I was on a client call, a potential client call with an American journalist who is living in London and she was working for a financial news tech company. And one of her tasks in that job was to feed into this AI bot, this artificial intelligence bot that was scraping news from the internet, for example. Just she fed into that AI and a few months later was told that the AI is now replacing her role and she was laid off, which was very shocking and very heartbreaking for her. She's super talented and I have no doubt that she's going to get a new job in another company, probably in a tech company that has a news feed, for example, right? But this is the new reality. This is the new normal that AI is replacing real human jobs. So what can we do about that? Apart from gaining more skills, as I said before, I want to give you some hope as well. I want to tell you that this isn't all bad news. The future of work isn't all doom and gloom. There is a silver lining, and that silver lining is what I believe is the big macroeconomic trend that is at play here globally. In the long run, as AI replaces more and more human jobs, what I think will happen is that universal basic income will no longer be a fringe idea. It will become a necessity and it is the future of work. If you haven't heard that term before, universal basic, universal basic income is when the government gives a set amount of money on a consistent basis to every adult citizen in the country. And this money will pay for food, shelter, healthcare, education, the essentials of life. Now, as jobs get replaced by AI, universal basic income will become our future. That is my prediction. It may be a controversial one. I would love to hear what you think, but this theory and the system is already being tested in places like Sweden and Norway, and they're having some interesting results. So if we no longer have to work for money to pay for the essentials of life, if work becomes divorced from basic income, what does this mean for career and work and life in the future? And I think this is where the silver lining comes and it can be a very beautiful future 
if we design it that way. So Finland was one of the first places in the world to trial universal basic income. And what they found was a marked improvement in the well-being and the stress levels of the participants, although they were no more likely than the control group to find a new job, right? But in this future where robots are taking over all the jobs anyway, what we'll see if we have a universal basic income is that human beings will be less stressed out, happier, and more open and happy and not have the stresses of having to figure out rent and shelter and food and all of that. And that could be a very beautiful future if we design it that way. So let me tell you what I think. In this future, I don't think we'll just want to sit around all day doing nothing. Maybe you think that that's what you would do if you had a universal basic income, but I believe that after one or two years, that will get very, very boring. So what happens next? As human beings, we're always thinking about the meaning of life and the meaning of our lives. So purpose and meaningful work will become very, very important. And the people who add more beauty to the world, who add more convenience through technology to the world, they will become very valuable to society. And I believe that they will earn above the universal basic income and create more wealth for themselves. So society will reward people who are creating and come bringing forth what is in them to create. And that is the definition of a soul career bringing forth what is, what is in you to create in the world, what is in you to build in the world, bringing forth your passion and your purpose and earning outsized returns as a result of that. That is a soul career. That is a soul career. And that is a very beautiful future if we ensure that our leaders design our future to look like that. That is what I believe. So that's it for this episode. I would love to hear what you think. I've said some controversial things at times. So find me on social media, message me and tell me what you think. I would love to know. If you love this episode, remember to hit subscribe and leave us a review. And if you're a professional, executive, or entrepreneur that's interested in taking one of our coaching programs, head on over to soulcareer.com and sign up for a free consultation. We would love to hear from you.